pandemic got us into a reflective space and made us look inward to see what we can do for the world at large. As a self-expression coach, I became a catalyst for women and started Vani, a one-on-one -on -one coaching program for women on finding their voice, to speak up, to be visible. As a storyteller, I spotted there were many ordinary people amongst us leading extraordinary lives, making a difference to the world, and they needed to be heard. Thus was born You and I with Rashmi Shetty, where amazing personal journeys with their uniqueness and individuality are showcased. A reaffirmation of the fact, open your eyes wider, the world is far more beautiful when we acknowledge the presence of both you and I. Our guest today is Shashank Nimkar, the founder and CEO of Earth Tattwa, a multi-award winning designer. He practices circular design through industrial design, animation and policy framing. Currently, he is on a mission to turn ceramic production into a circular process through his innovative recycled ceramic material that reduces mining for natural resources by 60%, trying to do more and better with less. Listen in as this absolutely humble, professional introvert as he describes himself has some amazing nuggets of wisdom for us. Motivated by the Japanese proverb, if others can do it, you can do it too. If none can do it, you must do it. Shashank Nimkar is an inspirational innovator. He believes that you don't have to be the best, you just have to give it your best. There are some people you hear about. Design is one element that is part of everything we do in life. Life itself has a very beautiful way of bringing in a design into the patterns that happen through different circumstances of life. My guest today is very special. We were part of the same LinkedIn Creator Accelerator program. I heard a lot about him and a recent award is when I thought the best time to get in touch with him because he does what we usually throw away and converts them into beautiful pieces of art. Hi Shashank, wonderful meeting you, talking to you, and you come across as such a warm person. Welcome to you and I with Rashmi Shetty. Hi Rashmi, happy to be here with you. Thank you for inviting me. Pleasure completely mine. You know, the organic way this conversation moves is where we try and understand what little Shashank was to the award-winning Shashank Nimkar that the world knows today. So can you take us through your journey? Sure. Uh, so I was always inquisitive about things, but I was not interested in studying. That was a very basic crux of my school life. But I was always very much uh, active with a lot of other vocational activities, uh, whether it's uh, school activities or sports. And uh, I was involved with a lot of hands-on handicrafts. Uh, and I explored a lot of different materials during my school days. Uh, in fact, during my days of the exam, I used to do more of arts and crafts. I don't know how that worked out, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that was an interesting aspect. And uh, as I moved ahead, uh, I wanted to take up a career there where I don't feel like I'm working. 
it should be a very natural thing because most of the hours of our life we spend at work and that should not be something that we feel that this is something that we have to do to achieve something it should be a part of our living and we should just enjoy it and that's why i was exploring ways to turn my interest of crafts into some kind of career and also what i remember during those days is that i was very keen on not wasting resources so even if i worked on a lot of craft projects i used to scavenge remains from my previous projects or someone else's projects uh, and make new, something new out of it also we had one subject in school called scpw where we yeah, used yeah. to do a lot of craft work yeah. uh, so uh, and almost all of my friends are now from uh, engineering and mba background and of course back then as well they were not interested in the craft aspect of things uh, so i remember this very vividly even today uh, all of us uh, around 6 to 7 of us used to meet at my place uh, we used to decide whatever our assignments were and each one used to tell what concept they had in their mind whatever they wanted to make then we used to make the list of uh, whatever raw materials we would need i would take them to the stationery shops which obviously they wouldn't know much and we used to shop all the materials and whole night we would play music and i would make all the products for them or whatever assignments were and of course i would ask them to do a few things and our whole group everyone got a plus always <laughs> and then i used to collect all these uh, assignments from them uh, click pictures and add it to my portfolio back then <laughs> okay so there was an ulterior motive they were not aware of <laughs> <laughs> yeah kind of but uh, in general as well uh, so that's also something that i realized over the years that i have been an archivist in general i like to capture these steps and i like to document things properly so that we can always go back to them and everybody understands the process as well because that is something uh, that i have observed that a lot of people may not understand the end product but they are very interested in how things come about how are they done uh, and that's why it's very important as a maker to share the uh, process that goes into the making of something yeah that is so very true now looking back and connecting the dots who was your biggest influence to do these things with your hands rather than sit and read a book and try and understand what somebody has already written ah uh, so in fact uh, i was not a person or a kid who would read books I started reading books just a few years back now, and my mother just got tired of telling me that I should read, but somehow I just couldn't read back then. Uh, and so I would give one of the, the the initial credit to my mother because she always made sure that I use all the craft books that are there in the market. And I, I mean, I actually tried all the things that were available in the market back then. Did all the small projects of paper craft and origami. and of course she put me in all the uh, sports <laughs> coaching yeah art and sports coaching every summer i used to do a lot of different sports so i oh, could play okay. table tennis uh, lawn tennis gymnastics athletics all these things now this is a very odd combination jashan sports and craft but do you see a connect in the two ah uh, yes uh, for me both of these need a lot of patience and we should be able to enjoy things and for me it's very important that i experience flow in both these activities okay uh, because if i am playing sports i can't play to win i have to play to enjoy and, and just become a better version of myself and you know enjoy it and again for uh, 
craft activities i can't do it imagining that this is how or what i want to achieve uh, because if i do that i might lose out on a lot of steps and processes which i mean basically pivoting in the process and uh, sorry i'm no, missing the like when word. you're uh, saying that it sounds really really deep and philosophical but uh, don't we participate in sports to win don't we get into arts and were you taking part in competitions for arts and crafts or were you just creating stuff on your own and keeping it i mean a lot of uh, things i was doing by myself and keeping it at home but because i happened to get better at it over time so i used to participate in the competitions as and what if you didn't win it didn't matter that's okay yeah yeah so how, how did that spirit come into you because normally when we participate in sports especially as kids there's a sense of competition was it that you uh, maybe you brought up and how did this entire process of just enjoying the process rather than the end result come into you so early in life uh so i was brought up in surat and i i really don't know where it came about but i think it's just that so i i am a single child and i didn't and i have been an introvert as such so i did not have a group of friends and even if i had we couldn't meet apart from school hours for tuition hours back then because we were not allowed to independently travel within the city uh so i spent a lot of time with myself and just doing things and i think doing a lot of craft just gives you this direction that you should enjoy the process because you don't know what might come out at the end of it and if you are doing it just for that end thing uh you become conscious about what you are doing at every step and most often it goes wrong there wow wow this is a very nice approach for a single child especially now that you tell me that <laughs> because uh, normally when you see single children they have it all in life and uh, since they have attention also in abundance everything that is there around them is theirs is an attitude that many of them come from and here you are completely different so what happened post school where did you go as a very natural progression where did life lead you yes uh, but before that i would just like to add one more instance from school days uh, so as i mentioned earlier i am uh, fond of not wasting resources yeah so i remember very vividly again while walking through the corridors of school i i mean i used to cross a lot of classrooms from going from one place to another especially uh, during not the classroom hours and i a lot of times i used to see these uh, tube lights and fans being left on and nobody was there in the classroom so i used to just enter every classroom if i saw anything switched on left on and i used to switch off all the uh, switches so one fine day uh, one of my batchmates saw me and he said that why are you doing so much of uh, taking so much of efforts because the school is paying the light bill anyways electricity bill so why bother and i don't know how so now this is uh, really fascinating to me at this stage but back then my answer was uh, it doesn't matter because we are wasting resources of the country and if the school has to pay higher electricity uh, bill they will increase our fees so that's a burden on us anyways so why waste uh, i mean now i am just surprised that i had that thought in mind <laughs> okay so from school uh, usually good students get into any of the science streams and move on into the typical engineering medicine or maybe the brighter kids in arts move to law so 
how did your journey progress? Uh, so from my family, there's nobody from a design or art background, like uh, formally trained. I unfortunately have two of my cousins who are from uh, such backgrounds, but not such a very formal training as a college. Uh, so uh, I was really confused about how to go ahead with it and what would be the right direction for me. Uh, one thing I was very clear about that it should not be like what it should be hands-on. I can't do digital full-time. Even if I'm interested in technology, that is not something that I can do full-time. And uh, so that it so happened that somehow I got to know about animation as a career option. And I chose it. And back then, I really didn't do research. And we did not have internet. <laughs> so it was a very random decision that I will pursue animation for my bachelor's. Then it was a, a full-time four-year degree course. And even after I got into animation, uh, I did not know how exactly to go ahead with this course. And uh, I was not great with sketching skills. And for animation, you really need top-notch sketching skills. Otherwise, you can't survive. That's what all my seniors and faculties told me when I was in my first year. And I was really scared. And then when I got into second year, I realized that there's this uh, technique called stop-motion animation. Uh, where we make these miniature things out of different materials, move them frame by frame and click pictures and then it becomes an animation. Uh, basically, clay animation is the most common uh, term that we know. Yeah. And that really uh, clicked in me because I thought, okay, I like to do a lot of graphs with different materials and I used to do a lot of miniature back then with paper especially. So I specialized in stop motion animation and then of course learned some digital skills as well. And that's how the whole journey began. And it was, it was really happening. And uh, interestingly, uh, very few people chose to work on stop motion animations because most people who chose to get into animation, they were really good at sketching skills. So they preferred doing 2D animation on paper or maybe 3D because they were fond of uh, digital aspects of technology. Uh, so yeah, very few people used to do it. And uh, yeah. It was quite unique as a project, what I did for my graduation project back then. Okay. And uh, post your graduation at that point, here you are out of uh, school, uh, a design school with animation as your specialization. How did your journey then on progress? What did you understand in those four years of study? Uh, what did you understand at the end of it? Where did you think you needed to go? And were you happy in a space of using your fingers to make craft, to animating it all, to create magic. So how was that entire four years shaping you and your thoughts into what you want to do? Again, so uh, just going a little back to my school days. During my school days, I used to sleep exactly at 10 p.m. I don't care if it's anybody's birthday next day or it's my board exams. I used to sleep at 10 p.m. But... In the first week itself, when I joined the design school, we got some assignment to do something out of paper. So I worked on it. I had my dinner and I started working on it again and I finished it. And I thought, okay, it must be 11 at most or 11.30. I was feeling quite fresh. When I checked the time, it was 2 a.m. And I was still so fresh. And that time I realized, okay, I'm at the right place. Uh, so that was an indication and that continued for four years. Uh, the journey was quite nurturing and I was happy. Uh, and after the graduation, uh, so during uh, my school days, well, we have to do compulsory internships. So back then, I got an internship at the most leading uh, studios in the country who used to do stop motion back then extensively. So there, I realized that 
maybe being an employee is not something that I would like to take up. Of course, that was not an intention ever. But over the years, because I had worked on so many self-initiative projects, I could not work on a project on any project basically that my colleague or my boss would have taken up from the client. Uh, because if I'm not invested in that idea, I can't work on it. And I have this psychological condition uh, that has been there for a while that if something is compulsory, I can't do it. I have to do it because I am really interested in doing it. I like this. So there is something called passion that needs to drive you. Only then you do something. So you've never done any assignment in school or college because you had to do it? Yeah, in fact, I told my mentors or faculty members, genuinely, no disrespect, but I used to tell them this is something that's not coming from me. I've tried a lot of times and they saw the result. It was not at the quality of what I would give them. Otherwise, in general, that I can't do it. And that's okay. They just passed me. I mean, I just did that work. That was enough to get me passing marks. But they understood because they knew that even if I cannot sketch so well or maybe not interested in a few of the subjects, but if I take up a project as a whole, they knew I would execute it really well and make it happen because they, they also had this experience with a lot of students who were really good at their craft or whatever they did, but they may not be able to complete the whole project or within the whole time. That's also something that all of us as professionals need to learn. And of course, everything has its own space. Maybe someone who is specializing at an organization, they just need to do a particular task. And probably if you are a generalist, you need to know a lot of things, but you also should know the managerial skills and be able to complete things. That's something where I come from. Okay. So now with all of this, you got yourself a bachelor's degree. Then what did life tell you, show you, or what did you decide? So during that internship, because I realized I cannot take up a full-time job, I used to freelance uh, as a set designer with the mm -hmm. advertising industry okay. or did a lot of DIY projects for a toys company. Uh, I used to do a lot of paper quilling back then. And so there was one toy company. Uh, which was making a new tool for quilling. And uh, it, it so happened that we were very comfortable with working with each other. And so all these skills that I was doing or my interest, what I was doing over the years helped me for that uh, because I like documentation, documenting each step that helped there. And I, I am very specific about, you know, the steps to go organizing things, what all ingredients and steps are needed. So all, all those things helped in that project. So during this journey, I observed that in the advertising industry, we invest so much in different materials and then spending so much time and efforts into building these elaborate sets for photo shoots or anything else. And uh, after a few hours, when the shoot is over, maybe a couple of days, the whole set is mostly yeah. discarded. Yeah. Two reasons for this, what I could observe is one, nobody really has time in that industry. The shooting floor is packed one after the other. So they just have to discard. They can't think about what to do. And the industry is so rich, they can afford to discard it. And I was not comfortable with this situation. Uh, so I thought, okay, I anyways have to pursue masters. And because back then I worked a lot with paper as a material and I used to do a lot of uh, product uh, development with that material. And because it was paper, it did not offer as much durability, even if I made the most detailed product. And that was something that I was not happy with that I'm making so much, but I'm not able to use those products. It's just a kind of prototype. Mm -hmm. What's the use of it? Yeah. So then that's why my thought process moved that if and I was interested in materials, but I thought, what if I, I do masters in ceramic design 
and so there would be something that I can make by myself, blaze it and fire it, and it will be a ready to use product. And that's how I applied that NID for ceramic and glass design. But why ceramic and glass, uh, Shashank? Both of them are uh, very fragile and uh, they are very delicate. So what drew you to that? Because the medium you were working on paper also was similar, very uh, fragile and delicate. You have to be very careful because like in origami, a fold once, a crease once created becomes very difficult to uncreate, if I could use that word. Was it that leaning to something so delicate that took you further into ceramic and glass? Maybe. I think it was subconscious. Right now, I don't have an answer. But uh, so in terms of hands-on material, there were just two possible disciplines. One is textile and other is ceramic and glass. Okay. Textile, I was not really aware about it back then. So I think ceramic was the only thing that uh, I could connect to as hmm. a material course. Okay. Okay. And what did the two years open up for you? Uh, in the masters uh, how did the entire journey with ceramic from paper moving from paper to ceramic and glass did it alter anything did it make you aware of something else that was there within you which you had not tapped into or were you just so glad you were in the right space a lot of things in fact so when i got inside the first thing that i observed within a few weeks was that everybody is doing the same assignments seniors did the same assignment i will do the same thing my juniors will do the same thing so one question that popped in my mind immediately is how do i i add value as an individual as a professional to the ecosystem or to the community or to the industry because if all of us have similar skills then it's a problem we are not diverse enough then yeah uh, and also uh, as i said if it's compulsory my system just repels it and everybody was learning quarterly on the wheel and, you know, honing their skills with the material, how to handle it, because it's very tricky and you need to spend years with the material to really understand it. I said, okay, this is something that everybody's doing. I can't do the same things then. Also, I had to make up a decision during, because the course was also quite short, two years. Uh, so that back then, and because I had spent so many years working hands-on with different materials, now I was at a point where I had to make a decision uh, should I spend years working with the material and honing the craft of it? Or should I start understanding and learning how to think and really design something? I didn't have enough time to do both of these, obviously. So I had to make a choice. So I then I chose to go towards the design aspect of it. How to think, how to really question things, how to observe. And I just it just kept bothering me over time. And it so happened that uh, in the second year, we visited Kurja which is a major ceramic production hub in India. And there we saw these heaps of production rejects that were just thrown on the roadside, outside the factories. And we all were shocked. This is a huge waste. And that was my epiphany moment to realize that archaeology is actually based on this fact that ceramics don't biodegrade for centuries. That's how we excavate ancient civilization. And this industrial waste is going to remain as is for centuries. And we are doing a lot of more production every year. Okay, that time I thought of something needs to be done about this. And I just kept incurring it. It just kept thinking as a thought in my mind. And after one year, when we had to take up a graduation project for our master's degree, I thought, okay, instead of doing an internship, let's start with a self-initial project and try to figure out something to reuse this waste and do something with it. And that's how my project started and that's how Earth Tattoo began as a student project. Wow. From a student project, 
that epiphany moment was where it led to what you're doing today as a course of the project itself and the project work what did you start understanding about ceramic and uh, what motivated you to go deeper and what were your learnings out of it uh, so my first motivation is that in theory to make a recycled product is very easy because you need just some dry waste some binder you put them together give it a shape it's a recycled product but as i kept looking at case studies i realized that most of us as designers are using either resin or cement as a binder resin is again a kind of plastic which if not used of good quality it leaches into the environment cement also consumes a lot of resources to be made and most importantly what happens at the end of life of these products we can't separate the binder and the dry waste and it eventually ends up in the landfill we are just extending the time frame of it and since day one i had a thought that we should be able to reuse this material for multiple times not just make it once and then at the end of life it will just go to waste again and it's so funny that i worked in the department for 2 years and it still took me 3 months after starting work on this project that we could use clay itself as a natural binder for this waste because clay after firing becomes ceramics so essentially we are working with a mono material which is just to keep recycling this for multiple cycles and the more you are closer to earth now clay starts with earth so clay by itself is biodegradable but when it's baked and baked and baked it becomes uh, non biodegradable and uh, isn't it ironic that uh, something which comes from the earth which is very naturally biodegradable reaches a point where because of man and what we are doing with it becomes completely non biodegradable what were your thought processes and how was tatwaat born after that uh i always had a vision to make this workable for the industry because if we have to create any impact it has to be at an industrial scale yeah. uh and of course uh i always keep saying this and of course you all of us know anyways that we should always reduce reuse and then if there's nothing left then we should recycle it but the challenge with this project was that uh the broken ceramic shards are very subjective you don't know how it would be broken yeah uh so it we can't keep using individual pieces and make something out of it will be art thing and it will take so much time we can't have an impact and the point was to reduce use of natural resources at the industry second the broken ceramic shards are very sharp it's very dangerous to work with them so that was also disregarded then and that's why recycling was the only option that i could think of back then and of course we can also optimize the existing production processes at the industries so that they come up with less waste in general the percentage of re- uh, rejection reduces but i don't have such a technical background to uh, make that happen and second there has been five decades of rejections that is already lying in the landfills i wanted to address that and that's why uh, recycling so all these things were thought out first and that's how i started with the project okay and uh, talking about uh, rejected pieces or broken pieces what exactly do you do with them ah uh, so we are using post industrial rejects which are pre consumer so it's not used at all and during the firing process it's very natural as it the process itself that nobody has control over it nobody can really say i'll get 10 good pieces out of 15 or 12 whatever so that is unpredictable and that's why you get a lot of rejections and when industries get these rejections it it has been landfilled over the years till now 
we procure those uh, rejected pieces, get it pulverized in a fine powder. And then we have developed our proprietary material composition of different clays that act as a binder. And we are using 60% of the recycled content, 40% of virgin clay. And then it's converted into a slip, which is basically liquid clay. And that's a standard material process for uh, existing ceramic industries, a conventional process, which is called slip casting. And that is casted into plaster of Paris molds. Uh, and how that works out is that plaster of Paris absorbs water. So from this slip, when it's casted, it starts absorbing water and uh, the clay is deposited on the walls of the mold, whatever shape it is. And depending on how much thick we want the article to be, we'll leave it for casting and then we demold the excess slip whenever the thickness is achieved. And then we finish it, we take it out of the mold, we finish it. Then we fire it once at 900 degrees Celsius, which is called bisque firing or biscuit firing. And during this firing, it's an ir irreversible process where the molecular water uh, evaporates from the clay and then it becomes ceramics, but it's still fragile, but it can be handled more easily than a clay. And it cannot be dissolved in water again. Then we clean it, finish it and add glaze to it. Glaze is basically a kind of layer of glass. That is something that it's easy to understand. Yeah. And then we fire it again at a higher temperature. Uh, now our material, uh, matures at a lower temperature than most of the industries. So most industries fire from 1200 to 1260 or even higher than that depending on the material. Our material matures at 1180 degrees Celsius. So there's a energy saving in the firing process as well. And yeah, then we get the final finished product. Okay. I heard you use uh, plaster of Paris also as part of it, but plaster of Paris is not uh, biodegradable. No, it, no, is. it isn't. Yeah. No, no. So that's why we have also started working on figuring out how to recycle plaster waste okay. and uh, when it comes to the final product do you have anything in front of you uh, oh, which yes. you can show yeah this is the current sample that we got from the industry oh okay okay i can show you how to... so a good way to know if the ceramic has been fired properly or not is the sound that it makes can you hear it no there's no sound that we can hear <laughs> no maybe <laughs> Okay, so it makes a particular sound, is it? Yeah, it, it makes a shrinking sound. If almost it is... like a metal. Oh, okay. So when we pick ceramics, that's something that we should check as well? Possibly, yes. And the second thing is the porosity. But I don't think you can check it if it is yeah. already glazed. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. So if, if there is a glazed ceramic that we want to pick, we take a spoon and you hit it and there's a metal sound, then we uh -huh. know that it's good quality. Yes. And uh, basically that is for cracks. If it has cracks, it won't uh, give a ting sound. Oh. If it has cracks, it would be like tuck, tuck, like that. Oh. Okay. You can use your key as well. Just any metal thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. This is interesting. And uh, anything else now when you look back, Tashank, in your journey? Because you seem to be a very organized, disciplined kid who used to actually document so early on in life, whatever you were doing, keeping things uh, aside and uh, making sure that resources have always been better utilized. So looking back and connecting those dots, what is it about Shashank now that when you look at the little Shashank, you have evolved and realized is the reason why you are who you are today? Two things. One is I 
have my own way of doing things i mostly don't understand the general ways of doing things that other people tend to get inclined towards uh so that is something that has been my strength and second is uh i am a bit stubborn that most often has worked out as my strength <laughs> sometimes it plays <laughs> against me but yeah uh, because uh see sometimes as all of us as individuals we know what works for us what doesn't work and we know what we can pull off and how you know whatever way of working is yeah so a lot of times others may not understand it but we should have the strength and courage to actually go ahead do it and even if we fail we should know that not to repeat that thing if it works we should be always able to repeat that success yeah and you know in the wide world today when we talk about general uh, childhood and schooling and college it's all about competition and uh, when we talk about entrance exams clearing them getting into the best colleges in the country it's all about competition too few best colleges and seats too many people competing so in the midst of all of this you had your own way to go ahead write your own path move on the road not taken like robert frost said and now when you look back and see the entire journey what would you like to tell aspiring students who may not always be toppers and may have something else innately in them but maybe they didn't recognize or people around them haven't so when they are feeling really sad and upset about not being able to make it to the a list because today there's no b list c list you have to be in the a++ list cutoffs in colleges and universities are like 100% now how many can get 100% so in such times uh what would you want to tell students who are still wondering who can i become who can i be if i'm not in the top 1% so first thing is you can be yourself that's the most important part and second that's again what i feel is the beauty of our society today or in general that you don't have to be the best you just have to give your best yeah. and uh, we have to work on a lot of self initiated projects because just doing assignments is not enough and we all know that our education system and the real industry are not really aligned so what we learn we need to apply it somewhere because if there is no application whatever we know is very dangerous it is just data and can be used otherwise as well uh, so that's very important and keep and of course with today's social media age whatever your interest is you can do anything you don't have to be stick to your educational background if you're interested in something keep doing it keep learning and put it out and share it with us you'll keep getting feedback and i think that's the best thing make the best use of the available community for free yeah very very sane practical but what kept you going shashank because now there's social media for documenting and putting it out there even to try just start with anything either uh, instagram facebook or youtube and put out your stuff show what you're doing get feedback and grow but you didn't have any of those when you were documenting all of it what was pushing you to try out areas that you never knew existed uh, so even today i am not a social media savvy person and i prefer more offline interactions and what kept me going is uh, so basically just knowing that fact that nobody else is going that just excites me and i am very very motivated with uh, this japanese proverb which says if others can do it you can do it too if none can do it you must do it 
<laughs> okay, so not surprising with that proverb that you've uh, recently won another award to your credit, a big, uh, nice big feather to your cap. So tell us a little about the recent award that you were honored. Uh, so this is a Green Cleaner Award. Uh, where uh, we had a convention for three days and it's a great initiative by Vyapar Jagat where they uh, actually brought a lot of entrepreneurs and organizations who are working towards different sectors of uh, green initiative, whether it's waste management, whether it's green architecture, whether it's green products or services. Uh, so yeah, so we won in the category of uh, green innovation uh, because as our offering is more about the material and not the products and that's also something that i wanted to work on since the beginning that it has to be an objectively meaningful universal material and during my project my mentors and a lot of other people whom i interacted with kept pushing me that i should make a shape for this material which becomes an identity and i was very adamant that no i won't make any shape because as designers we always make our own collections that's something that i don't want it should, and we have got a lot of positive feedback out of this that it doesn't look like a recycled product. You can't really make out visually. That's actually good because a lot of people want to use uh, uh, conscious products, but they shy away from it because visually it's very different. It doesn't fit in their lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I, I, I refrain from making any shape for it and it should be a new normal. That's what the vision was. Oh, wow. Okay. And as far as... Uh, these kind of moments which come in where you are given that kick out of uh, the rest around you saying that yes here you are now your trampoline jump to go to the top does it make you more responsible or does it just fuel you for the next step oh definitely more responsible uh because this is uh very interesting so till date nobody has really checked how we do or what we do and I'm so happy that we actually have so much trust on each other. Otherwise, this whole concept could be a fiction as well because visually you can't make it. And if, uh, unless and until you actually see the process, how do you really know? Yeah. Uh, so uh, if someone can actually say good things about you without verifying, they can also say not so good things. Yeah. And that's why these things shouldn't affect me. I should keep doing what I want to do and what I should do. So I think it's more of a responsibility than I being, you know, uh, resting back with this. Yeah, that that's so true because integrity is all about being yourself even when nobody's watching. And uh, I think that's where you score your brownie points. And who is we? Uh, what is your team comprised of? Who all make up your team? So I always call this we even as my graduation project because I might be the initiator or the decision maker of this project. But there are hundreds of people who have supported this initiative. Uh, uh, not just my mentors, of course, they have always been the core support, but a lot of people in the industry, my peers, or just industry acquaintances who have kept sharing their resources or allowed me to use their facility to do some tests. Uh, for my graduation project, uh, for my bachelor's degree, uh, I made a short film, uh, animated, uh, short motion short film, as a hypothetical project for the incredible India, uh, where we used 1,242 wax candles, tea light wax candles, and made the whole two minute film. We moved them frame by frame and did the whole animation. It was the biggest production at the Institute till then, and it was a huge success. Uh, so, and interestingly, uh, 
we were given three months to complete the whole project and I could practically do it in two months and three weeks probably. But that is because I spent two months just to prepare the pre-production of the whole project, just to plan things out so that there's no scope of mistake while we're actually shooting it. And it was crazy. And a lot of people actually helped me. Uh, so most of them knew about it. So uh, my batchmates and juniors and a lot of faculty members. So whenever anyone was free, I then introduced to just come to the shooting room and help us in lighting all the candles or move them to a lot of things. And uh, we built the whole set out of waste again. So fortunately, back then, uh, the faculty room was getting renovated. So we could get a lot of uh, channels from the windows and other things. So we scavenged them, make the whole rig to set up the camera and projector and a lot of other things. Uh, so yeah, it was one of the most low budget uh, productions, but high end uh, quality executed. And yeah, a lot of collaborations and fun. And in fact, we did the shoot in March. And it was a dark room because we had to click pictures uh, and we had to paint it whole black. And it was super hot. We couldn't even use AC or fan because it was uh, candles that we were yeah, lighting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, oh, yeah, it wow. Was very crazy. And uh, is this available on YouTube for us to see? Or, uh, yes, yes. It is? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Then maybe you should share the link with us. So sure. you share the link with me. I'll put it on so that uh, everyone can get to enjoy. Definitely. And it also went around a lot of film festivals around the world. And it won the prestigious Dadasai Palki Film Festival Award for the best short film in student category. Oh, really? Congratulations. <laughs> You're saying this so softly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, so if you see my graduation project document that I submitted at the institute, Three pages are filled with just the names of people who have contributed <laughs> to the project. So it's always me. It's not me. Okay, not surprising at all. <laughs> seeing from where you come and being the humble person that you've been all through. But you know, in these reflective moments, there's one question that I take back to you is the pandemic. This was something which was unprecedented. None of us were prepared for it. It was like a forced pause for all of us. There were so many reflective moments for all of us. What did the pandemic do to you? And what were your reflections from the pandemic? Fortunately, I see this as a fortunate thing that we did not start our commercial operations before the pandemic. Because back then, of course, I was not versed with all the things about startup. How do we really turn a student project into a venture? Uh, so there were a lot of delay and then uh, the lockdown happened. So then I tried to make the best of my time because I cannot sit idle for a longer time. If I'm not productive for two to three consecutive days, there's a trouble in my mind. Because I was not so much of a digital person, but then I tried to make the best of whatever was available. So I enrolled for a lot of courses relevant to what I was doing, whether it's about entrepreneurship or um, green innovations. Uh, so that was helpful. And then I participated in a lot of uh, online events related to what we were doing. And that helped me to connect with so many people around the world. And that actually helped me to articulate things better and to have a real conversation. Because uh, so over the years, again, uh, I subconsciously have honed my writing skills. And I believe writing sometimes is more easier than speaking to someone. And I, be, I being an introvert was... That was not very natural to me. In fact, before this project as well, I was a professional introvert. That's what I say. <laughs> uh, but because of this project, I had to interact with so many people in person, especially 
the people at higher positions and whom I did not know at all. When slowly I became comfortable with having conversations, it helped me to articulate things as well on this spot. Uh, so that is something that helped me. And uh, then, of course, taking things at its own pace because a lot of things were just moving slowly. And yes, there were no revenues, zero income. Uh, so yeah, but just being productive helped me. And so I think those six months, especially the end of uh, lockdown, I think that was a foundation of what we are doing now because a lot of people got to know about us. Even if uh, we were stuck at home, I participated in a lot of uh, competitions. Most of them, of course, we were not recognized, but a few places where we recognized were very prestigious. And that really opened up the doors for us when we got it uh, out for our commercial operations. And now hopefully we'll be launching soon. And remaining active is something uh, we can't shy away from. That's very true. And uh, so the next time something breaks at home, any ceramic that breaks at home, what is your advice that we should do? So right now, if you can reuse it as a planter, most people do that. If it's yeah. cracked, yeah. you can do that. Yeah. But otherwise, try to dispose it of safely. Unfortunately, right now we are not processing post-consumer waste so we can't collect it but hopefully as we scale up we would like to uh, add that facility as well okay okay so as of now there's nothing we can do to add on to whatever you are innovating you can use our product ah, professional introvert oh? <laughs> you've now become a professional marketer for sure <laughs> okay so on that happy note shashank three life lessons that you'd like to leave us with. Uh, so one is whatever happens happens for good uh, we may not be able to see it now but there is a reason we have to make the best of it uh, whining is not an option and we have to walk our paths comparing is also not something that will help us productively and the third is uh what goes around comes around yeah so i i think that works for me in two ways one is uh in general i like to just help someone around me if uh, they need anything just very small and that comes around me because a lot of people have actually helped me during this project and i couldn't have done without their support and i'm not a very active person on social media so that again comes around me nobody really responds when i post something online most often sometimes yes they do okay so the life lesson there is maybe you should become more active on social media for the amazing work that you do and maybe people like me can make sure that wherever we can we would go ahead and tell people about the amazing work that you do and that's where this podcast comes in so continue to inspire shashank be whoever you are like you said there cannot be another you so find and be the best version of who you can be which you are living every moment so stay blessed stay inspiring and wish you the very best thank you so very much for being on you and i thank you so much thank you so much for the conversation With that, we come to the end of this weekly quest of You and I with Rashmi Shetty. Do let us know if you know people who make the world beautiful. Write in to rashmi.thethirdeye at gmail.com That is R-A-S-H-M-I dot T-H-E-T-H-I-R-D-E-Y-E at gmail.com Come. Let's explore this amazing world together, both you and I.